welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. I'm really excited about today's episode. I have Joey Munoz on here with me, and he has a PhD in nutrition. And so I'm going to be asking him some fun questions. Oh, we were talking before, Joey. I really do want to talk about ice baths too. Yeah, sure. Because that's one that I feel like people kind of choose a team. Like they're like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Almost like it's a religion. Yeah. It's like, it's it's okay to have your own opinion with this one. But um, so we're going to be talking um, about a bunch of things, but let's just dive right into this. Joey, first off, I want you to introduce yourself. Sure. Tell us how awesome you are and (laughs) why everybody needs to be following you. All right. Awesome. I'll, I'll do my best. I'm not too good at bragging, but <laughs> thank you for the kind introduction, Lindsay. Uh, as you mentioned, my name is Joey Munoz. I've been, um, I guess, in the fitness industry for a little over 10 years now in terms of just working out myself, personal training, graduate school. I pretty much, what's what's the saying? Live, eat, and breathe nutrition and exercise science. So yeah. I love this stuff. Really what I do on social media is just from an educational perspective, helping educate people so that they can take control of their own health. And obviously I coach too on the side because I have to make a living somehow. But um, I won't brag too much and we'll just talk about different topics and hopefully the, the people that are listening enjoy this episode because I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, we're just going to dive right into this. Um I want to hear some of your biggest pet peeves about the fitness and health industry and maybe even just kind of, I don't know, just, I don't know if you've experienced this before on social media is kind of hard uh, to show up, to give good information. I feel like a good sign that somebody gives information is it's not the black or white, all or nothing. It's, it's more somewhere in the middle. And that's actually what kind of drew me to you and following you. So let's, what are some of your biggest pet peeves about that you see or information, false information you see in the fitness industry? Yeah. So you actually just hit it right in the head. Essentially, I was going to bring up the fact that um, social media is like, we're really rewarded for like short clips, right? And it's really hard to provide a nuanced perspective with a limited time frame. right? So people are putting out like 10 second, 20 second videos And so a lot of the messaging is very black and white, right? Like, this is good. This is bad. Uh, You should do this. You shouldn't do that. And the truth, especially when it comes to nutrition exercise, is never black or white, right? So, for example, and we'll talk about ice, ice baths in a little bit more detail, but with ice baths, right? It's not good or bad. You have to talk about the specific context and why you're doing it. Um, so, so that nuance is really important. That nuance is really, really difficult to get across on something like Instagram or TikTok if you're on that platform. I used mm-hmm. to be on TikTok and I stopped posting on TikTok because I hate it. So, <laughs> um, but just my followers know how I feel like TikTok is, well, I don't want to offend anybody, but at the same time, I'm like, it's such a cesspool. Like, yeah, this place is so, I'm not a big fan of it. From my perspective, I was like, I'm just going to post on more places because more people will see, but I yeah. just don't enjoy it. So I stopped. But yeah. the point is that it, it's hard to really get a nuanced perspective across. And I've noticed even in like my own videos, when I make videos that are a little bit more like quote unquote controversial, which I don't think any of my stuff is, uh, compared to like when I talked talk about something from a more nuanced point of view, 
like those nuanced videos don't do as well, right? So you're like rewarded to, to just talk about things as good or bad because people engage with it more. So that it leads to a lot of confusion, right? I'll post something about, I don't know, anything. And somebody will be like, oh, I heard that's bad. Or I heard that's good if I say that it's bad. So mm-hmm. that's something that's really difficult. But again, I, I think it's just a challenge for us to, to learn to navigate as the creators, right? Because at the end of the day, our goal is to be able to educate. Um, and these are the platforms that we're given and we kind of have to play the game, right? So I think I've found a good way to, to, to balance that, but I'd say that's, that's a huge pet peeve really. And then fitness industry specific pet peeve again, and it's around lack of nuances. People obviously post pictures of how amazing they look and it's really inspirational. And even for me, it's really motivational, right? If I see a guy that's in like really good shape, I'm like, damn, I really want to work towards that. But I know like what goes behind that. I know that they're obviously taking pictures in like optimal lighting with a really good pump. And I get all that because I do it too, right? I've taken pictures in the gym. It looks really good. It doesn't look like what I look like just day to day. And that nuance again is lost in the messaging. And not that there's anything inherently wrong with what people are doing, but for the, the person consuming it, that's not somebody who lifts or is just learning about these things it can give a really unrealistic expectation of what's achievable, right? Um, and I, yeah. I want to yeah. just, I want to have you clarify a few things because I think when people are just barely jumping into to fitness, a question that I get a lot is, wait, what's a pump? So talk, talk about that. Talk about pump and lighting because man, it's huge. Sure, sure. So when you see somebody post a picture at the gym shirtless or whatever, and they look really fantastic. Usually they just finished a workout. So when you finish a workout and you've gone through your exercises, your muscles are essentially full of blood. So they look fuller, right? You just, you look better, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a woman trying to work on your glutes, your glutes are going to look fuller. If you're a guy working on your chest and your shoulders, they're just going to look bigger immediately after your workout. Because when you work out, a lot of blood goes into the muscle. So it looks bigger. And then lighting is equally important because it makes your muscles look more shapely, essentially, right? If you just stand outside, like if I stand outside, take my shirt off, haven't worked out or anything, barely see any abs. Now, if I work out and I'm in really good lighting, it looks like I have a six pack, like literally looks Mm -hmm. like a transformation picture and it's the exact same day. It can be like five minutes apart, right? So those two variables really make somebody look substantially better. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But one of the one of the things that I really try to share on social media and that I talk about a lot is having realistic expectations with what's achievable, right? A couple of things with these pictures. Unfortunately, some people use them to deceive others and make money. So some of these pictures are like edited. The lighting again is amazing. They have a pump. They're not honest. I mean, a lot of people are not honest about their drug use, right? But now let's say, let's say this person is being completely honest. It's a normal picture. They're not on drugs. They didn't edit the pictures. Even then people don't understand that the lives of these people like completely 100% revolve around fitness. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But they, they're able to prioritize these things more than somebody who has three or four kids uh, a full-time job, sometimes two full-time jobs, right? Single parent household. Some people are just not in the situation to be able to achieve that kind of physique, unfortunately. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't be healthy. That doesn't mean that you can't be fit. It just means like achieving that peak physique may not be realistic for everybody. And the reason why I bring this up is because I've noticed this even with my own clients, people feel so frustrated 
about like not being able to achieve something. Right. And so one thing I do with my clients is like, we'll just talk about their lifestyle. Essentially we'll audit their lifestyle. It's like, what does your lifestyle look like? And it's like, okay. And if you wanted to achieve this particular type of physique, these are some of the things that you'll probably have to change about your lifestyle, right? You'll probably have to spend this much more time working out. You'll probably have to spend this much more time focusing on your nutrition. And let's, let's shift it. Even for people who are not like super busy with work or have a ton of kids or just like don't have time at all. Let's say it's somebody who enjoys going out to dinner three or four times a week with their family and like doesn't really want to count their calories or anything like that. Right. I, I relate to that. Like me and my wife go out to dinner two or three times a week. Um, I don't really track my calories. I just eat intuitively. I know how to manage my nutrition and my lifestyle so that I can maintain the shape I'm in, but I by no means look like a physique athlete. Right. And I understand the sacrifices that would be required to achieve that. And I'm perfectly fine with saying, I don't want to make those sacrifices. Why? Because I'm healthy and like getting any leaner or in better shape isn't going to make me any healthier. I know it's not going to make me any happier. So I understand that, right? And that's one of the things I really try to share with my clients and try to share on social media. It's like, it's really important to understand that yes, having that type of physique looks fantastic, but to get there, you may have to make a number of sacrifices more for other, more for some than for others. And you may not be willing to make those sacrifices and that's perfectly fine, right? Because again, you don't have to look like that to be healthy. That's one thing like the leaner you are, doesn't mean that you are healthier. Actually, when you get really, really lean, it can be counterproductive towards your health. And I've been rambling now, but I guess that would be a second pet peeve of mine for sure. <laughs> no, I, I loved what you said that you're okay. You're okay. E- even you living in this space of health and fitness, of nutrition, you're okay not having the shredded six pack year round kind of thing. Yeah. Cause it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't. It, we tell ourselves these stories of what that means and what it means about us. And when you have a solid sense of self, you don't need to find it outside. Like you, you don't have to find it in a six pack because you have that solid sense of self. And so even as you're talking about how you can regulate your nutrition uh, intuitively, you enjoy this lifestyle, health and fitness. That's kind of what I heard is, yeah, but you're not looking for yourself. Some people come into fitness and they're looking for themselves and they see all these people, they see these before and after pictures and they're like, oh, they look so much happier because that's part of the before and after, right? You have to be miserable looking not tan, bad lighting, frowning in the before. And then in the after, you've got a nice tan, (laughs) you lost all this weight, you're smiling. And people are like, I want that happiness. And they don't even realize that that's what they're pinpointing that they want. They just see abs, that must give that to me. That gives me the solid sense of self and it doesn't. Yeah, that's that's a really fantastic way of wording it, which... Honestly, I haven't even thought about it like that before, but you're, you're completely right, right? Like when you feel confident and happy in your body, like you realize that, Hey, and here's the thing. I never, I never try to, um, deter people from achieving particular goals if they want to. Yeah. I just make sure that like they actually want to achieve that goal, right? Like if I have a conversation with a client, they're like, yeah, I I want to achieve that. Why? Because they want to, then that's perfectly fine. I'm going to help them get there. Right. I just always have the conversation about like, Hey, these sacrifices are required. And if you want to get there, you can, but you're going to have to make some pretty drastic changes in your lifestyle. And if you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. Because again, like we also do this for enjoyment, right? Like I, 
I agree. Like it looks awesome. And there's something really rewarding about like achieving a, a difficult endeavor too. That's, that's really fun and rewarding, right? I've been, I have been really lean before. So maybe I actually, when I've made these posts before and people have commented, like, do you think it's the fact that you've experienced what it's like before that you can understand why it's not all that important? And that's a very important perspective too, right? Because I do think that's a factor. Like I've been really lean before and it's not being lean itself, but it's like the way I was living my life back then compared to how I live now is very different. And I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to live like that um, again, right? So yeah, and I've had this conversation with a number of clients. I'm actually thinking about a client right now in particular where we um, hopped on the phone. He is healthy, probably 16, 17% body fat. So not overweight at all. Doesn't have a six pack though. He's really, really enjoying training, getting stronger, enjoying being able to eat food and maintain his body weights. But he really wanted to get leaner and he was really struggling with it because he, like myself, is a foodie and he likes going out with his wife and his kids and likes trying out new restaurants and enjoying food without worrying about it. And for like three or four weeks in a row, he was he was uh, sharing with me that he was really frustrated with his progress. And so we hopped on a phone call, had this conversation. I'm like, hey, man, like, why does it even matter? You know, like you're really enjoying your training. This is the first time you haven't been focusing on just losing weight. You've been focusing on getting stronger, building muscle. Training's been going really well. You've mentioned you've really been been enjoying it. You've been enjoying eating more food. You get to go out to restaurants. Your body weight stays stable. You're not worrying about calories. Like, why do you want to get leaner? And seriously, when we had that conversation, Lindsay, he was like, you're right. Why do I want to get leaner? Like, he's already, you know, in his 40s, has a family, like, is healthy. It's just, why? Right. Why? And then so, so he, after that conversation changes goals and, and, and I just think it is really important because we never think about the why behind why we want to achieve something, right? We're just like, Oh, that looks good. I want to do that. And that's about it. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking coaching really is about managing expectations. Yeah. A big part of it. at least. Yeah. The expectation and the effort. Like, okay, we've got to line those up because with the amount of effort that you can give or that you want to give, what are you expecting to get out of it? And a coach's yeah. job, I feel like a good coach is going to line those up really well and be like, and kind of do what you're doing, have these discussions. And some coaches, I feel like when they're newer, they don't want to have those. They just almost want to get pulled into the emotion of the client where it's like, oh, oh, you have this sense of urgency that you have to have that six pack. Well, in order for me to be a good coach, I have to get you there. That's not true. A good coach will have these conversations like, like you're having, where it's like, no, let's look at what you can, the effort you can bring, what you expect, your goals, and your overall health and well-being mentally and physically are just so key. Absolutely key. I love that you brought up the pump. I love that you brought up lighting. And I just want to clarify for anybody out there, I always do my pictures of me flexing post-workout for exactly why you said, Joey, I look better then. Yeah. The problem is we usually have a tendency to compare our private life with other people's public, right? So if I went around comparing the Lindsay of uh, me you know, at home with the kids no pump. I'm bending over. My stomach is rolling over my uh, jeans, my pants. Nobody sees those. I try to actually post those once in a while, but nobody sees those. That's not motivating. A lot of coaches will get caught up in that. 
of, no, I need to look perfect 24-7. A lot of people will get caught up in that. I need to not have skin roll over or fat roll over when I bend over. No, if you're a human being, yeah. that's just going to happen, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and I love that you brought up of you at your leanness, you've experienced that, you know what it takes and you know it's not worth it for you 24-7. Yeah. And um, I prepped, I didn't do a show. Have you ever done a, like a bodybuilding no. show or anything like that? Okay, I didn't do a show. It's not my style to do that, but... I did prep because I wanted to experience it okay. and I got super lean and yeah, 100% what you said, Joey, I wouldn't want to, I don't ever want to go back to that. Like it was hard. Yeah. I've never gotten lean to the point where I would be like ready to step on stage or anything like that, but I've gotten, I'd say relatively close and yeah, it just wasn't enjoyable. Um, to put it into perspective, I naturally sit, I'm six, five. So I naturally sit around 220 pounds. You are six, Five? Very tall. That's what, yeah. You do not look six five. Like I've yeah, seen you tall. like lifting on Instagram. You do not look six five. Okay, wait, six five and what? Two hundred and what? Twenty pounds. Okay, that's just where I sit naturally. Like, okay, if I don't worry about anything, that's just my natural weight. When I was really lean, I was the same height at one ninety five, so twenty five pounds less. It was just miserable. Like, had to worry about every little thing, and not just that. Like the way you, you feel mentally too. It's like, Oh, I don't want to eat that because like, I'm going to gain a little bit of body fat. It's like, yeah. who cares? It doesn't matter. And now it's just a much more, I guess, like guilt-free way of living. That's way more enjoyable. That's a good way to put it because a lot of people do feel that guilt. Yeah. For no reason, unfortunately. Yeah. And well, unfortunately we have food all over saying guilt-free too. So it's yeah. like, Oh, I should feel guilty about eating food? It's like, no. In fact, when I did that, uh, did that prep, I had this moment where I remember I was driving and I thought to myself, I want a donut. And this is, (laughs) this is a common thought for myself. I love food. Um, I was like, I want a donut. I'm driving by this gas station. It was post-workout. I thought, you know, that would be fun. And this little thought for the first time in my life came into my mind that will make you fat. And in that moment, I knew I have two choices here. I could very, very easily go down the path mentally that unfortunately a lot of people do where they would give into that and say, it will make me fat. I better not. Yeah. And my way of like, no, I will not be that person. I will not be controlled by my body fat. I will not be controlled by the way I look. That's not who I am as a person. It doesn't give me value. My way of fighting that was I pulled over and got my donut and I ate it. And I enjoyed every single bite because I've seen where that path takes women, where they're controlled by that. So some people, the answer is, don't eat the donut because you want to drop body fat. You want to get healthier. And some people, their mental health is, no, you eat that donut. Yeah. I think it's really difficult to, for some people, right? Because I think we're so, we're, we're shaped so much by our experiences as kids. And I, I don't have a background in psychology here. I'll preface it by saying that completely, right? <laughs> I think for some of us, like our body images, our body image is so incredibly important because of experiences that we had as kids, Right especially from like our parents, right? If we had Mm -hmm. so many people have parents who are like, oh, you're a little bit chubby or just comment on kids' bodies like all the time when it's not healthy at all, right? And I say this, like I experienced that myself. I come, my parents are Cuban. My family is, I'm the first person in my family born in the US. And culturally, like Hispanic people just talk about 
people's bodies, like it doesn't mean anything, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're a little bit overweight or you're looking skinny. You're never in good shape. You're either too skinny or you're too, you're, or you're too overweight, <laughs> right? So, so this is something <laughs> I dealt with like my whole life, right? And now I feel completely comfortable in my skin, but growing up like my whole life, I didn't, right? So those thoughts that you just mentioned were thoughts that were in my head like my whole life growing up. And oh wow. my wife can relate to this too because she had a similar experience with, with her parents. And so I obviously don't know your background, Lindsay, but if you were fortunate enough to where you had supportive parents that weren't, you know, commenting on body shape or talking about diet all the time, then it's, I do think it's a little bit easier to have a better relationship with food and not worry so much about whether you have a little bit of body fat, because inherently like those things really do impact us. Right. And unfortunately, some of the people that do have really bad issues with, with food or self image related issues, um, a lot of that does stem back to our childhood. And that's one of the things I really struggle with, with coaching because sometimes with my clients, I'm like, oh my God, you would really, really benefit from probably speaking to a therapist. Yeah. Not that I would know because I've never spoken to a therapist myself, but just from, from friends that have, I know that's something that would be really beneficial, right? And sometimes people look for a nutrition coach to answer those questions yeah. when in reality, that's not the type of issue that they're having. Like a lot of clients or a lot of people in general know the things they need to do. Um, they really, they already have the information, have the guidance and they don't necessarily, or, or they have a really hard time actually implementing it because of some of these psychological um, problems, I'd say. Yeah. And I think a good coach can spot that and say, that's not my specialty. Yeah. Like you need to go speak to somebody else about that. So my experience was, it is kind of the other way. I grew up, I just recently did a post about this. I grew up being called like bird legs, being told my whole life I was too skinny. Yeah. So in high school, like I was made fun of for, I I remember a boy telling me this in high school, like you look like you just got out of a concentration camp. Oh my God. And to (laughs) me, that was mortifying one because I love history and I'm like, I don't think that, I think that that's kind of an inappropriate thing to say about somebody's life experience, but, um, but also, so I was told that, and then I have a bunch of sisters. I have seven sisters, Oh wow! but my body is so different from them. They were these like athletes, thick thighed. So growing up, that's what I looked at as that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So my thing was the opposite almost of, I was made fun of for being skinny. So I never had that food will make me fat until post-pregnancy where it did make me overweight. <laughs> but yeah. my thing was always like, I, I, my body's not beautiful because I'm too skinny. So discovering weights and making it about, well, I'm, I may be skinny, but I'm strong. And making it about that really helped my body image. And it's always, it's interesting telling people that because some women are like, are you kidding me? Like my problem was the opposite, right? Yeah. And so I've really learned that it doesn't matter what your body looks like. Most of us, for one reason or another, struggle with body image issues. And um, I, it really comes down to the stories we tell ourselves. That it really is that for me growing up, it was beauty was thunder thighs. My sisters growing up, they were like, no, beauty is bird legs. So they would call me bird legs thinking it was funny and a compliment. I was like being scarred by it. (laughs) That's hilarious. So so it is kind of interesting. You know, something awesome that you brought up, sorry, not to interrupt you there. No, 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 I love it. With uh, lifting in particular, I think that is something that 
really helps people out because it's something that gives you a goal to focus on that's outside of what you just what you look like, right? Look Obviously, like, lifting weights yes. is going to improve your body composition. You're going to look better, but p- lifting weights is really empowering. Like, and that's something I really try to talk about. Lifting weights improves every single aspect of your life, but just the physical component of like feeling stronger, feeling like you're more capable, like I can do this, right? Like that weight seemed daunting last month. This month I can lift it. That's really cool. I'm strong. I'm confident. So it's, it's a really um, useful tool, I think, to help people break through some of these um, mindset-related things that they're experiencing, right? Because for me, like one of the things that really helps me too with just being okay with my body composition now is like, I love being able to perform really well. And I know that if I got leaner, a, uh, a side effect of that would be that I would get weaker really. Um, yeah. Because I've been lifting for over 10 years now and to continue to get stronger, I cannot lose weight. If I lose weight, I will be weaker. And I care more about my performance than I do like being yes. mean, right? So it, and people don't understand that before they start, but it it really makes you fall in love with the process of lifting. You'll, you'll really want to like pursue the numbers or pursue performance or just like the feeling of lifting heavy stuff. And it really makes you feel empowered outside of what your body looks like, because you realize that independent of what your body looks like, your body can do some really, really cool stuff. Yes. 100%. I love that. Okay. Let's dive into ice baths because this is like okay. a, <laughs> right now <laughs> I feel like it's such a con- um, confrontational thing. Like if you, if I say I don't like ice baths to somebody who likes ice baths, it's like, it's almost like I like slapped their mother in the face. I don't know. <laughs> um, and so let's, let's talk about it. You did a post the other day about hypertrophy and ice baths. So let's, let me go ahead and fill everybody in on that one. Yeah. Okay. So first I want to differentiate between an ice bath and a cold shower because so many people have asked about that. They're like, does a cold shower do the same thing? It's like, no. An ice bath literally means submerging your body in ice cold water. It is substantially colder than a cold shower, like way, way colder. Okay. It is the same as like icing an injury where you can only really put ice on an injury for a couple minutes because it's really cold. Same thing with this. Usually lasts 30 seconds, a minute, three minutes, I think tops, right? Now, ice baths are really popular for like people report them having cognitive benefits, right? They mentioned they feel really, really good after doing an ice bath. I haven't looked into the research literature to see what the cognitive benefits of ice baths are. But what I usually tell people is like, hey, even if it's placebo, if it makes you feel really good, then go ahead, right? If you enjoy yeah. it, you take an ice bath yeah. in the morning. It's a way to quote unquote shock your body and feel. It does. Awake. It yeah, does exactly. shock your body. <laughs> it does, but it's it's you know some people use that. Some people have coffee and they're good. So yeah. if that's your method of waking up, you enjoy it. That's fine. Um, people also tend to use it for exercise recovery purposes, and this is where it starts to get a little bit iffy because we need to define recovery and and. And I think there's a couple of different ways that we can do this. If we define recovery in terms of like your ability to perform well again within a short period of time, right? Let's say mm-hmm. you just, let's say you play sports, whatever sport it may be. You just had a game. It was really, really tough. You have another game tomorrow. If you're really sore, you're not going to be able to perform well. But if you use an ice bath, you can potentially reduce soreness and perform really well the next day as well. Right. So from that perspective, it can be useful, especially for athletes who have like several games back to back in like a three or four day span. Right. Because 
ice baths essentially blunt inflammation. And now people tend to start talking about like inflammation, is inflammation good, is inflammation bad? Most people think inflammation is bad and it's not that black and white, right? Mm -hmm. The aspect of recovery that ice baths are bad for is, let me see how I explain this simply. It's It's the adaptation process, right? So if you lift weights, your adaptation process is getting stronger, building bigger muscles. That would be the adaptation that comes from recovering, right? Mm-hmm. The other part of recovery that I was just talking about would be performance. Like, are you able to perform well the next day? The performance aspect in the short term, ice baths can be beneficial again, because they can help reduce soreness. And I'm going to talk about why in a second, the other aspect of recovery, which is actually adapting and improving from the exercise modality you're doing is actually inhibited by an ice bath. And the reason it literally comes down to inflammation, right? So ice baths directly inhibit inflammation. And this is where people get confused. They're like, oh, inflammation is bad. There are two different types of inflammation. There is chronic inflammation, which is long-term inflammation, which is usually uh, a small degree of inflammation that is prolonged, right? So slightly elevated uh, inflammatory response, it's prolonged. That's the type of inflammation that leads to things like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, et cetera, right? So chronic inflammation, long-term inflammation is bad. Acute inflammation, which is short-term inflammation, is actually good, right? An inflammatory response isn't anything bad. The only bad thing is when our bodies cannot resolve that inflammatory response, okay? So if you get uh, a paper cut, what happens to your finger? There's inflammation, there's swelling, and then it heals. That inflammation is necessary for the healing to occur. If there's no inflammation, it'll take substantially longer for your injury to heal, Okay. If you break a bone, any, any injury, anything, mm-hmm. there's literally an inflammatory response that's necessary to actually help that tissue recover. So when you lift weights, for example, and you're actually causing damage to your muscles, because on a microscopic level, you're actually causing damage to your muscles, you're tearing them slightly, there's an inflammatory response that initiates the muscle repair processes that are important to make your muscles stronger and bigger. Okay. And if you blunt that inflammatory response, you're blunting the ability for your muscles to get bigger and recover from the training that you just did. So if you take an ice bath, so you lift weights, immediately post-lifting weights, this inflammatory response starts. If you take an ice bath, you're inhibiting this inflammatory response. You're inhibiting your ability to build muscle. So think of it like this from an exercise perspective. If your purpose for using ice baths is to be able to do a lot of activity within a short time, uh, within a short time period, and you don't want to be super sore and you want to be able to perform well, ice baths can help. If your goal with the exercise that you're doing is to get better, right, to improve your skill, then you probably don't want to be doing ice baths immediately after your workouts. And I continue to say immediately after your workouts because we don't really know the effects of ice baths if you do them like four or six hours after or if you do it before the exercise bout either. Because all of the research on this with with hypertrophy in mind specifically, and hypertrophy is just muscle growth is they do the ice bath immediately after the person finishes Mm -hmm. lifting. So it makes sense that it's not going to be helpful, right? And that's one of the things I really brought up in the video. It's like, we don't know if you do it eight hours after or if you do it the day before, is it going to have any negative effect? I would assume that if there are any negative effects, they'd probably be minimal compared to doing them immediately after exercise. And that's pretty much the whole like uh, rundown on like the ice bath um, topic. That is so well explained. I love that. A lot of times people will bring up uh, Huberman. Yeah. He's done a, a lot of work and 
has interviewed a lot of people on his podcast about it. So one of the things that, for those of you who followed me for a while, you know that I like to say that I'm science-based. I, I love research. I love reading it. I think it's fascinating. But along with reading research, you have to know of its limitations. Yeah. And you also have to take into account, a lot of times it presents more questions, I feel like, than answers when when you read through things. But a lot of times we'll say, oh, that there's a benefit. And I don't think people intentionally often mean to exaggerate benefits, but maybe that lies on the, like, maybe that's the responsibility of the speaker and the listener. A lot of times people will walk away and be like, with these exaggerated ideas of benefits, yeah, where they now are literally going on TikTok telling people ice baths are going to cure cancer. I haven't seen and, that. Is that a thing? Oh, yeah, I saw that one the other day that that's how he cured his cancer. And I'm like, that is that is a dangerous, whatever. Yeah. Anybody with relatively common sense is going to be like, well. <laughs> you would think but, so. You would think so, but not really. I would think so. My husband's like, Lindsay, it's not common sense. It's special sense. I'm like, <laughs> he's like, it's well, not so common anymore. I'm like, oh. It's like you see somebody with a large following say something and then like people immediately believe they're right because yeah. it brings a certain degree of authority, right? It's like, oh, this person with like a million followers said something. They must know what they're talking about. And mm -hmm. so you, you'd be surprised. Like I have people who watch my stuff regularly, like watch all of my videos, comment on all of my stuff. And then they'll DM me a question on like something like that. Oh, I saw this video. Is this true? And I understand they just want my feedback on it. But it's like, yeah, have you watched all of my videos? Because I know you have because you comment on all of them. And if you have, you should know that this is not true. <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's just still like it's just the sensationalism of like, oh, this is new. This sounds really intriguing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so people just like like it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it was funny because I was talking to my husband about this and he reminded me, he's like, remember we were living with my parents while we were building a house. And at the time, the new big thing was coconut oil. It hadn't been demonized yet. It was coming in. Everybody was like, coconut oil will, is the cure all for everything. And I mean, there were some really exaggerated uh, benefits to it. And yeah. he's like, he's like, remember how your dad was literally deep frying everything in coconut oil? you get so excited about the benefits and they become so exaggerated in your mind. It's like, well, more is better. And then all of a sudden my parents were like, huh, I'm gaining weight. Why? Yeah. <laughs> right. So is the benefit actually outweighing the cost of now you're getting, you know, increase out of his tissue? No, probably not. Probably not. not. Yeah. Right. And so I think it's really important when we listen to podcasts where people are citing research to remember that that it can be very exaggerated and to just be cautious. It's just really difficult because like average people don't know how to appropriately read research. Most people don't. Even people with mm -hmm. like degrees in research don't know how to read research. Unfortunately, it's tough. It's really tough. I, I wish I had a solution, but I don't have a solution. I think the only yeah. thing I could uh, really come to that's like closest solution is to like build trust with some people on social media and, and consume their content, right? I like to think I'm in an unbiased source of information. But again, it's also hard for people to discern like who is a good source and who is not. Yeah, It's really hard 
I think it's really hard for us to put ourselves in the shoes of somebody who knows nothing because we already know so much, right? So it's like, it's a blessing and a curse to be really knowledgeable in certain areas because it's really hard to relate to somebody, at least for me it is, to somebody who's just starting off and doesn't know anything because we immediately assume that they're, that they know certain things that they definitely don't know at all. Right. Even just like being able to tell, like if I showed somebody who doesn't know anything, five different people on social media and, and was like, pick which of these are bullshit and pick which are not. Like, I feel like that's a pretty simple thing to determine just based off the ridiculous claims they, they mentioned, but somebody who yeah. doesn't know anything would not be able to do that at all. So yeah. it is really hard. I think it just starts with education. You're going to make mistakes, right? I can't tell you how many things I used to believe that just like aren't true or not that they aren't true, but I used to over-exaggerate, right? Coconut oil was one too. And this was before I was in grad school, knew what research was. was. I was like, oh, co coconut oil is good for you. And I went and bought a huge tub of it and just like used it for everything. Why? Because mm -hmm. I heard about it. Like when it comes to food, this will save a lot of time for anybody listening to this. There are, there is no one food that is really, really helpful and is way more beneficial than any other food. It does not exist. It does not exist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I'll say that again. It yep. doesn't exist. Like there's no one food that's just like, wow, this thing is your, your cure all for anything or even like your, your cure for any one particular condition. It doesn't exist. The best diet is a, a diet that includes a wide array of different whole and processed foods. There is no need to cut out foods from your diet unless you have an allergy or a sensitivity to it. Right. And in some specific situations, for example, if you have like high cholesterol, it may be a good idea to cut out particular nutrients like saturated fat. But for the vast majority of people, there's no need to cut out meat. There's no need to cut out dairy. There's no need to eat specific vegetables. There's no need to do anything magical. Like the, the recommendation your grandparents told you of just like eat whole foods, eat plenty of fruits and veggies, eat plenty of protein, lean sources of protein. Dairy is actually pretty good for you. Like all of these whole unprocessed foods have different health benefits. They're all unique in their own way. And you should include as many of them as you can in your diet and have nutritional diversity rather than being restrictive and only eating a handful of foods because it's just not really helpful for your, for your health. Even though like mm -hmm. there are so many people like saying a vegan diet is optimal or a keto diet is optimal. Any diet that purposefully restricts foods is not optimal. Okay. I would agree that perhaps decreasing the amount of processed food that you consume is ideal for the reason that processed foods are very easy to overconsume. And if you're somebody who is overweight or obese and is struggling with their weight, substituting some of those foods for more un, for, for more whole food alternatives is going to be beneficial for hunger and satiety regulation. But that being said, an Oreo isn't bad for you because it contains some sugar. It's not going to cause inflammation and give you diabetes. Like that's the message, right? It mm -hmm. doesn't occur. It's the best thing you can do, eat a wide array of whole and processed foods um, and don't cut anything out of your diet unless you have a particular allergy or sensitivity to it. And I don't even know why I was talking about that, but hopefully no, that information that's really good. <laughs> that's really good because one of the, um, you did a post that I thought was really funny when you're like, don't follow someone whose handle is associated with their diet. Yeah. And I loved your examples. Keto Kevin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and carnivore Chris and yeah, yeah, yeah. low carb Larry. And, yeah. um, I really liked that because as soon as we make that association, as soon as we say, this is it, 
Yeah. Then I feel like we box ourselves and limit ourselves to when when information, when new information comes out that's contrary to our belief system. Yeah. Well, we already made a handle with that's our name. And what are we going to do? Are we going to actually share that new information with people? Probably not because it doesn't align with the message of no meat's bad or no meat is the only way to go or keto is the only way to go. And so sometimes even when people are like, well, have you ever read so-and-so's book? I'm like, no, because I believe that they're biased because they're making their entire living off of one diet. If you make your entire living off of one exercise or one diet, I'm sorry, but you're going to, there's going to be a lot of bias there. It's implicit bias. Like it's bias just from the name, right? Yeah. And when people talk about like, oh, have you read this person's book? It's like, listen, anybody can write a book and make it sound legit. I don't read this this carnivore's book on carnivore diets because I actually have knowledge on nutrition science. And anybody who says that you should cut out vegetables, like their book is just not going to be honest, right? And the thing is people can make really, really good arguments to convince you that it is. But like you mentioned, there if there's implicit bias, even in like a person's name that they use on social media, you know that that is not, an, at the very least, an unbiased source of information, right? Like Liver King is never going to say that eating liver is not a magical food. It's not, right? It's just, it's just liver. Like yeah. it's, it's just an organ. <laughs> Muscle is also an organ. There are benefits to liver. There's also benefits to every other food. But he's never going to say like liver is not the best food because his name is Liver King, right? So yeah. 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 And there's a lot of those. And I guess that's a really easy way to tell who not to follow. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's true. I mean, my name is Liz Lifting Lindsay. If you don't think I'm going to be more biased to lifting weights. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's also very different than the diet thing. That's very different. It is. I just had to bring that up because, oh man. Yeah. I really like too, you said how much you eat versus what you eat. You brought that up in a post too. And I thought that was really good. I wanted you to speak to that because I have a lot of people tell me, I don't get why I can't lose weight or I don't get why I've gained weight. I only eat whole foods. I only eat healthy foods or something like that. Yeah. This one gets people mad too. And it's because Mm -hmm. those two variables are related. They're not uh, mutually exclusive, right? So how much you eat does unfortunately influence your health more than what you eat. And what do I mean by that? How much you eat influences your weight and your body composition to a large degree, right? Because it's how much you eat relative to how much energy you burn. But let's say you're, we're not talking about energy expenditure here. However much energy you burn is consistent, right? How much you eat is going to dictate whether you're overweight, lean, obese, underweight, etc. Because you consume calories from food, independent of where those calories come from, your body will store excess calories. Okay. So if you overeat apples, the excess is still stored as body fat. Your body has a remarkable ability to store anything independent of where it comes from as body fat. Okay. So if you're eating too many calories, period, you gain weight, unfortunately, even if it's coming from healthy foods. Now, why does that matter for your health? Because adiposity, AKA fat itself is detrimental towards your health when you have an excess amount of it. Okay. And it's like everything. If you have too little fat, it's actually pretty bad for your health too. And if you have too much fat, it's actually pretty bad for your health too. 
because when we have excess body fat, essentially adipocytes, which are fat cells, start to secrete these inflammatory molecules that contribute to what we were talking about earlier, chronic inflammation. So excess body fat is one of the main contributors to chronic inflammation, right? Because you, you're essentially your fat cells release these inflammatory molecules and those molecules will, for example, cause insulin resistance, cause plaque buildup in your arteries, which contributes to diabetes, atherosclerosis, which is cardiovascular disease. So excess fat itself is one of the most detrimental things towards your health, okay? And you can gain fat independent of what your diet looks like. And the negative effects of having excess fat will significantly outweigh the beneficial effects of any particular food, right? Like you were mentioning, Lindsay, coconut oil. It may have some benefits, but if it's causing weight gain, it's causing more harm than good, okay? Again, if you are gaining weight and that the majority of that weight is adiposity, it's negatively affecting your health. Now, the opposite is true too. If you're overweight or obese, simply achieving weight loss independent of what your diet looks like will improve your health. And that's something that people don't want to agree with either, but it's not, this is not my opinion. This is literally research done on thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of adults where they look at weight loss, people who have lost weight, they look at their health markers, they look at their blood sugar, they look at their uh, uh, cardiovascular health, they look at their blood lipids, their cholesterol, and those markers improve just by losing weight. It doesn't matter what your diet looks like, okay? And that's hard to, that's a hard message to sell because people want to talk about like, eat these foods, right? Go on this diet, you're going to improve your health. It's like, if you're overweight and obese and you don't achieve weight loss, you're not improving your health just by eating healthier foods. And to really, really highlight this, sorry, Lindsay, last thing here to, no, to no, really no, highlight this, there's, there was a, a professor of nutrition at Kansas State University, Dr. Mark Hobb, went on, this is a famous uh, thing you can look, uh, look it up on Google, it's called the Twinkie diet. And this guy ate nothing, it wasn't just Twinkies, it was like, Twinkies and Oreos and cookies and just like sweets, essentially all of the quote unquote bad foods that are going to kill you, right? That's all he ate. He was overweight. He also, uh, supplemented with protein powder to make sure he got sufficient protein and he took a multivitamin to cover his basis. So he didn't have any nutritional deficiencies. He lost weight and all of his metabolic markers improved. And people are like, what the hell? Like, how's that, how's that possible? Yeah. Like, cause, cause having body fat's bad for you. And if you lose some of it, if you're overweight, you're going to improve your health no matter what you eat. Now to sum this up, it's like, if you eat shitty foods, sorry for the language, it's going to be really difficult to actually achieve weight loss because those foods are very delicious. So they're very easy to overeat and they're not very satiating and they do not regulate your hunger. If you're eating more whole foods, more fiber, fruits and vegetables, beans, eating lean protein, protein and fiber. Whole foods are way higher in protein and fiber. And protein and fiber are very, very satiating nutrients. They help regulate your hunger. So if you're somebody who struggles with hunger, with cravings, yes, having a healthier diet will help regulate that. But the benefits of the healthy diet in terms of actually influencing your health a small, a small amount of it comes from the particular foods. A large amount of it comes from the fact that it helps you lose weight. Mm -hmm. And again, it's just easier to lose weight on a healthy diet than it is in a diet full of processed foods. But those processed foods aren't inherently going to kill you or be very detrimental towards your health. Well, I, what I was going to say was people love stories. They love stories and they connect with stories. So if somebody says... 
I went on a keto diet and I became healthier and they tell their story of how horribly unhealthy they were. People love stories and they get really pulled into them. And that's just part of human nature is connection. We want to hear people's stories, right? But correlation isn't causation. And a lot of times what people don't realize is literally what you, Joey, just beautifully explained, so simply explained is yes, they were unhealthy. Anything that got them into a caloric deficit. And also you have to realize most people don't just go from sitting at like a desk 24 seven to I'm going to get healthy. I'm just going to do this diet. Nobody ever just does that. I mean, I mean, there are some people, majority of people don't just do that. Yeah. They start moving more. They go to the gym. They start lifting weights. So it's not one variable that was changed. It was literally like 50, 60. So to pinpoint it on one, it's, but people love the story. They love it and they get pulled into it. Yeah, exactly. Like one really good point would be, for example, with keto, find one person that went on a keto diet, changed nothing else about their life. Their weight didn't change at all and improve their health. doesn't exist, right? Because the thing is, when you go on some of these diets, you inherently cut out a lot of stuff from your diet. Mm-hmm. And so subsequently you lose weight, right? And again, some of these diets lead to acute weight loss. So short-term weight loss, they don't necessarily contribute to long-term weight maintenance mm-hmm. because they're somewhat unsustainable, right? Again, I say somewhat because some people enjoy eating a ketogenic style diet yeah. and yeah. I don't think it's optimal by any means, but if it helps somebody regulate their body weight, it's better than, than, than uh, the alternative, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of nuance when it comes to this. So that means that I don't have the best stories, unfortunately. So I can't convince people <laughs> as well as others do. <laughs> well, it is kind of funny. In my family growing up, sugar was always the enemy. Sugar was always the enemy. So even to this day, I'm making a video on sugar being addicting very recent, very soon. Oh, oh man, I want to hear it. I want to hear about that because that is that's one that I hear about a lot is sugar being addicting. But um, yeah, so in my family, it was always we'll cut out sugar. Sugar's bad, and so somebody in my family is always on a like a sugar fast, a no sugar diet kind of thing, and it's been really hard to be like, Hey, but you went from eating a pack of Oreos every like day or two to, yeah, you restrict sugar and now you can't eat that just by nature. It's going to lower the calories that you're eating. And so it's not necessarily, and personally, I just don't ever want to not eat sugar every day. <laughs> There's just no point. There's just no point. Like there is no people point. also don't understand that the sugar and fruit is the exact same sugar in anything else. But people say that all the time that it's this that it's not the same. That sugar yeah. in fruit is healthy. Sugar from other anything else is bad. Yeah. I mean sugar is sugar. It's literally the exact same molecule. Like there mm-hmm. is no difference, right? Mm-hmm. It's sucrose. Like sucrose is sucrose, independent of where it's coming from. So yeah, it's just, again, it's just a lot of those myths that people, but I don't blame people, right? Because like, yeah, I mean, it makes quote unquote common sense. Like, oh, sugar from an Oreo is bad, but sugar from an apple is not bad because fruits are good for you. But people just don't don't understand that it's like the sugar is the same, but yes, an apple is going to come with a lot more fiber, a lot more water. Mm -hmm. It's going to be more satiating. It has more nutrients. But if we're talking about sugar, 
Sugar is sugar. Like there is no mm-hmm. difference. There are different types of sugar, but sugar is sugar. And the sugar in, yeah, actually, you know, it's funny because people talk about high fructose corn syrup or whatnot. And like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the sugar in fruit is slightly higher in fructose than like um, table sugar, which is what people are like telling you to avoid. Yeah. And so it's just funny because if you listen to these claims, like the sugar in fruit is technically worse for you because it has a little bit more fructose. But again, that that literally doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Don't be confused by what he just said. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if you're confused, just ignore what I said for the past. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was so good. Joey, I'm so glad I had you on. You Thank did you. such a great job of just breaking down what really matters. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and and what doesn't. So I know that my listeners are just going to love this conversation. Um, and where can they, where can they find you? And are you taking on new clients or what kind, what stuff do you offer? Sure. So I do online nutrition and training coaching. So I work with clients who are trying to improve their overall lifestyle and health through nutrition and exercise interventions, right? I work with clients for both nutrition and resistance training. I don't work with just nutrition clients. I used to, but mm-hmm. I've realized that like, if you want to make a true change in your health, you, sh- you need to f- prioritize both exercise and nutrition, right? And so that's kind of the clientele that I work with. I have a very um, small habits approach to coaching where I educate my clients on a lot of these topics that we've been talking about. Um, and then in terms of implementation, we just work on s- developing small little habits that are conducive towards improving their health, given their lifestyle. Right. So again, if a client tells me they can only work out two times a week, I'm not going to give them a program for five times a week. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my, my, um, general coaching approach. It's a very, what I would call realistic approach and helping people develop realistic goals to achieve whatever their physique related or health related goals are. And if you guys are interested in talking to me about coaching, you can email me at joey at biolane. That's B-I-O-L-A-Y-N-E.com. You can find me on social media. I post educational content pretty much every single day, except Sundays, because I just chill on Sundays and do nothing. Um, but you can find me on social media at Dr. Joey Munoz. That's D-R dot J-O-E-Y. M as in mother, U-N as in no, O-Z. Um, and I should actually be launching my podcast very soon too. So if this is airing in the next, awesome. say, two weeks, my podcast should be live. And that's going to be the Dr. Joey Munoz show because I'm not creative. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. I was going to tell you, you should have a podcast. You do a great job just explaining these things. Yeah, I just recorded three episodes and oh, it's good. just solo episodes, um, but I'm going to do interviews too, but I'm, I'm launching with the first three solo episodes so that if people like one episode, they have more stuff to listen to and don't have to wait a week or two till I publish the next one. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I've, I've been really enjoying doing those. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it was so good to have you on. Yeah. Pleasure to speak with you, Lindsay. And thank you so much for having me on as well. Thank you for joining me today on the Lifting Lindsay podcast. If you have any questions at all, don't hesitate to send me a message at Lifting Lindsay on Instagram. If you are interested in my optimized training programs, go to liftinglindsay.com. I have example programs on there. You can see what you need if you're lifting at home or at the gym. We have three-day, four-day, and five-day programs on there as well. You have a wonderful week.